uh, continue in the heart of worship, we're going to go ahead and move right into communion this morning. And for our communion meditation, I just want to encourage you to consider something maybe you haven't thought of before. As we come together to remember the Lord's Supper, maybe we forget that that night that Jesus shared it for the first time was Passover. And the disciples had had Passover with Jesus before, but now, as they're participating in Passover, they come to different segments of the meal, and Jesus, as He raises up the matzah to heaven and breaks it, He says, This is my body, broken for you. And as they come to the, the cup of, of, uh, of, of redemption, He says, as He lifts that cup, This cup is a new covenant of my blood shed for the remission of sin he said this is for you and as he does it he encourages them to remember him in the lord's supper and i bet they were a little confused and i think if we're honest when we sit and gather together and we partake of the lord's supper some of us as well are a little confused In John chapter 6, Jesus said, Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. And as they listened to Jesus teach, it was a hard teaching, and most of the people left him at that time. They didn't understand what he was saying. What he was saying is that he needs to be a part of your life. When you eat something, it becomes a part of you. When you drink something, it becomes a part of you. He wasn't asking them to become cannibals. He was asking them to make him a part of their life. That he is ingested. That we are in Christ. And he is in us. In Revelation chapter 3, the scripture tells us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man opens the door, I will what? Come into him and sup with him and he with me. That attitude of communion. So as we just have a time of worship and we come before the Lord at a time of the Lord's Supper, I encourage you, remember what it is that He has done for us. That's what the time's for. To remember what He gave. To remember how He loves. And to remember how He desires that we would walk. And as we just have a time right now, as we think about it realize throughout the scripture 169 times paul says we have everything we need in him and that's what this time is all about let's worship Forsaken, I will come to you. My soul longs to find your peace. Lord, I just need to rest in you. Every heart can find its healing in you. Every life is given meaning, our hope is found, and love abounds in you. When the weight of sin is on me, I will come to you. When my spirit has been defeated, 
join me as we pray over the bread heavenly father lord god we are so blessed god just to uh, remember to remember that you became flesh that you became sin that your body was broken so that i might be set free and in this we see the love of God while we were yet sinners Christ died for the ungodly Lord we thank you and we remember as we give you thanks in Jesus name we pray amen let's partake together would you join me in prayer for the cup heavenly father Lord God I just uh I am in awe of all that you gave and continue to give. I thank you, Lord, that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. And so you came and you shed your own blood so that we who were darkness could become children of the light. 
I thank you, Lord, that he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God as I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. God, we're so thankful for what you have given and what you have done for us. And we remember and we honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. As we come before the Lord now this morning, I just want you to, just as we still continue in that attitude of worship, let me just read to you the scripture we're going to look at this morning. In Acts chapter 3, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from him. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who had been begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as that lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you and we open your word, God, to allow your word to speak to us, to allow you to do a perfect work in and through us, Lord, we pray, God, that you would give unto us eyes to see, ears to hear a familiar story with great meaning and purpose for us, Lord, that we would recognize and and realize, God, that you have brought us here today for this moment to hear this word. So God, we ask that you would be glorified and magnified in and through it as we seek to honor you with everything that we do. And we give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we come in Acts chapter 3 to... Time after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church in power. Fulfilling a promise that Jesus told the disciples to wait for in Acts chapter 1. He told them, wait until you have been filled with power and endued with power. So that they would be able to accomplish what God had asked them to do. Listen, I want you to understand what God had asked them to do. And what they needed to be equipped for was to be His witnesses wasn't to do miracles though they did it wasn't to do a lot of other things though those other things occur as well they were waiting to be filled with power so that they could be his witness sometimes in our lives we struggle we struggle in a in a life where we've given our heart and soul to the lord and we want everything that he has for us but we find ourselves in a powerless state 
to be who God wants us to be, then we need our Pentecost as well. Listen, you have the Holy Spirit. I'll never tell you, in order to be saved, you must have the Holy Spirit. It's irrefutable. It's in the Word. But it is possible to be saved and live a life without power. To live a life without the the equipping of the Holy Spirit to help you engage in the events that are occurring around you. Life sometimes feels like it's just spinning out of control. Anybody ever felt that way? It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to hang on and to see God's purpose in the chaos. And that was given in Acts 2. In Acts 3, we see what happens when that occurs. We're going to see an amazing miracle. Undeniable, incredible miracle that God's going to do through the hands of Peter and John. But I want you also to see the incredible ability for a man to be a witness for God through the power of the Holy Spirit very simply. Because it's all there. It's all there. A life relinquished. And the power to be what God wants us to be. Well, after Pentecost, you'd think they had to go out and build the church, right? Because they got to meet someplace. But you see, the whole church at that point, after Pentecost, was Jewish. Who was there celebrating Pentecost? Jews. The Gentiles did not gather in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. They didn't do it. So you have a Jewish church, 3,000 people. Let me tell you, in Jerusalem, there's only one place where you can have church with 3,000 people. You know where it's at? At the temple. The Bible says every day they went. It doesn't say they went on Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday night and and that they had uh, home fellowships. What the Bible tells us is that they gathered daily in the temple and they would gather together for prayer. And they would gather together for praise. And the apostles would teach and they continued daily both at the temple and what else? House to house. They gathered Corporately, they gathered together in smaller groups and they sought the Lord. You see, He had become everything in their life now. They put their faith and trust in Him and it, it moved them to what we today might call radical discipleship. But in reality, it's just the discipleship that we see in the Bible. People whose lives changed and who became focused on what God was doing in their life. Well, the scripture begins for us in chapter 3 by seeing Peter and John heading to the temple. So they're going to have church. And as they head toward the temple, well, keep in mind, they didn't meet in the temple. You guys know only the priests could go in the temple, right? But the courtyard of the temple is where the people would gather. So that's where they're headed, to the courtyard. To the courtyard, probably the court of the women. And that's why it brought them past a gate called the gate beautiful. Well, let's take a look. It begins in verse 1. That Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. And it was, Scripture tells us, the ninth hour. It's 3 p.m. 3 p.m. It's interesting because Psalm 55, 17. Please hear this. Psalm 55, 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he will hear my voice. Do you know how committed the Old Testament saints were to prayer? How did they finally bust Daniel and throw him in the lion's den? You remember? Because he would pray. When would he pray? Every morning, evening, and noon. And so we see here, it was part of the the Jewish prayer system. Now, anything in our life can become ritual, right? Everybody understand? We can, it can start as something good, and I think it's great to pray three times. I think it's great to pray for your meals, but doesn't that become ritual sometime? God is great, God is good, thank you for our food, amen. I mean, did we put a lot of thought into that prayer of giving thanks? Sometimes we do, but, but sometimes it becomes very ritual. Well, 
This, in the case of Peter and John, is not a ritual time. It's an opportunity for them to go before the Lord. And they would go to the temple every morning, noon, and evening for the evening sacrifice. And 30 minutes after the evening sacrifice would be a time of prayer. And so they're headed, as was their normal behavior since Pentecost and prior. Every time Jesus was here and he was walking with the disciples and going to the temple, I want you to recognize he always walked through the gate beautiful. The main entrance from the court of the Gentiles into the court of the women or the place where the Jews would begin to gather away from the Gentiles passed through what was called the beautiful gate. Josephus tells us that the the posts, the columns for the beautiful gate were 75 feet tall and made out of solid bronze. And that the doors were 60 feet tall that hung on those columns. And they would take several men to open. Again, solid bronze. Can you imagine how that much glitter in the, in the sunrise and the sunset? And so here they come, gathering through the gate beautiful. And they walked through as they had often done over and over and over again. We see that they had done this. And the scripture tells us the time. It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the end of the day. And then it lays out for us what was the problem. Look at verse 2. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms. From all those who entered the temple. So here at the gate beautiful there was a custom. There was a custom. Those who were unable to work. Those who were destitute. Those who were poor. Those who were sick. They would find themselves gathering at the gate beautiful. Now I want you to see the strange irony of looking at this incredible beautiful Structure and the incredible, beautiful temple, an incredibly beautiful place, and all along the side of the entrance are broken people who cannot pass through because God's word said you could only come if you were whole and perfect. If you were deformed, sick, lame, you could never come into presence of God and we read that in the Old Testament and we wonder why it just seems so weird so strange I'll hold on to that concept as we take a look at what the Lord has for us this morning but he couldn't go in he could not go so every day the Bible tells in chapter 4 verse 22 that the man was 40 years old so I don't know when it started But certainly for 30 years or better, maybe, this guy was being carried to the gate beautiful to beg for alms. And God took this very seriously, that the hearts of the people who entered in, the hearts of the people who came to worship at the temple, would always be open to the broken We know that because of what Scripture tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 15. I want to invite you, just hold your place here and turn to the left. Deuteronomy is Genesis, Exodus, fifth book. You never know when you say your ABCs how you've got to start at A. Well, some of you probably don't have to do that. Some of you could start in the middle. I have no idea where L comes unless I start at A. The same way for Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, yeah, five. Fifth book, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, <coughs> excuse me, Moses lays out this section of scripture I want you to take a look at. He says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. Do you hear that? It's an opportunity for us to see and to hear the heart of God. So don't temper it. Listen. If there's any poor within any of the gates of your land 
which the Lord your God has given you. Do not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you will open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, Well, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you. It will become sin among you. He's talking about the year of Jubilee. The seventh year, the, they, the, the slaves would all be set free. And the 50th year, all debts would be forgiven. So he's saying, if you're coming up close to the year of Jubilee, and you go, well, I'm not going to loan him something because it's just be the same as giving it to him. And you close up your hand to him. The Lord says, he cries out to me, it'll be sin for you. Open your heart. Don't harden your heart. In verse 10 he says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all the works, and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. You remember that phrase? Judas, one of the few times we see him speak in scripture, speaking of a sacrifice that Mary gave to Jesus. Remember she broke the alabaster box and poured out this costly fragrance all over him? And Judas said, oh, what a waste. That extravagant worship, what a waste. Should have been sold and given to the poor. You remember what Jesus said? He quoted that verse. He said, the poor you have with you always. Me, you do not have always. It's never a waste to give extravagant worship the heart of God in this scripture is a heart to give to help to stand by your brother to stand by those and then just in case you're comforting yourself as I had in the past and you look at it and say well yeah he's talking about your brother so my brother has a need I'm going to help him out well in another place in scripture he also says for the stranger oops that means the fellow that's not your brother. To be hospitable and to reach out for the poor. So here along, I want you to see it. Here along that way you have all the broken who can't go in. Who can't know God. And coming through, God working on the hearts of his people has his people pass through. And God's desire for them is to give to those who don't have. So they stand there as you're on your way to worship. And I wonder how many of the hearts of those people going into worship, their thoughts were, somebody really needs to clean this place up. I mean, look at all these dirty people. They're dirty and they're broken and they're, this gate's so beautiful. Maybe we could have them hang out by the dung gate and we'll just go over there and give them alms instead of have them here at the the gate beautiful maybe their heart was I got some place to be and I need to go and I'm in a hurry and so they didn't even notice and for that guy standing there for that person how did I end up up on the screen <coughs> for the guys are scaring me for that guy for that guy who was at the gate beautiful I wonder what his heart was like. I wonder how many times he saw the hardness in eyes. How many times he saw a different purpose and the people pass through. And I wonder what his eyes looked like when Jesus walked by him and never looked at him. I wonder what was going on in his heart when he was hearing all the stories of the healings and the ministry that Jesus did. And even in the temple he heard about a man who had a withered hand who was, who was, was healed and, and, and the lepers and, and the blind. And I wonder how many times he thought, maybe today he's going to see me. Maybe today he's going to hear my state. He's going to know where I'm at. He's going to see me languishing here on the steps of the gate, beautiful, only to have Jesus pass by 
every single time. I wonder what his heart was like. What he was feeling. What was, what was happening to him. Did it harden him toward the Lord? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you were calling out on the name of God over and over and over again, yet he seems to pass by and never give a second glance? Jesus said, and we studied it a couple of weeks ago, Jesus said, men ought always to pray and never lose heart. God wants men to have an attitude that says, man, I'm going to seek the Lord's face and I'm going to pray and I'm never going to stop praying. That's the heart of God. But the heart of man fights against that, doesn't it? And says, what's it all for? He just walked by again. Well, I'll tell you what it's all for. Because you never know when this day is coming. You never know the ways of God. Didn't, didn't the Lord declare to us through the prophets that His ways are higher than our ways? That they're past our finding out? That we can't even begin to fathom the things that God is doing? But we think we know the heart of God when God doesn't answer our prayers. We think we know the heart of God when He doesn't swoop in and save us where he doesn't stop some event from taking place. We think we know the heart of God, but the heart of God says, no, I'm doing things you don't even understand. And when you give up and stop praying, you're saying to me, I don't trust you. I thought you were going to move and do what I wanted you to do, but maybe this is the heart of the man at the gate beautiful. It's interesting because as, as Luke lays this out for us, it's funny, he uses two medical terms in regard to this man's lameness. The word used for foot is a technical medical term. It actually speaks of the bones attached to the foot. In the New King James and, and other translations render it the ankle bone. We'll see that in a moment when we, when we see the, the healing. There was something wrong with his Bones that attached to his feet. Maybe they weren't there at all. Maybe just dangled. He had to be carried. He didn't limp. He couldn't walk at all. Luke uses these very distinct terms. And I want you, I, 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 prayerfully you're going to see, everybody walked by this guy for how long? 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. They saw him every day. Three times a day they came for prayer, and there he was at the gate. And they would give him some of their change, and they would help to meet his needs so he could live. And every day he would be there. He was something that they saw all the time. An example of someone who can't have a relationship with God because they're broken. And God's people walking by and giving unto them what they can. Until today, until this time, until right now. It says in verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked for alms. I wonder how many times. The first time, for the first time, I want you to look at verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him, this is Peter. And fixing his eye, for the first time, Peter saw him. But there was something special about it. It doesn't mean that Peter was messed up before. This time, as he's walking through the gate, the Holy Spirit stirs in his heart and points him out to him. It says, Peter, look. And fixing his eyes on him, that means to stare at him steadfastly, to just focus on him. The, the man there at the gate, beautiful, he's... He's thinking, wow, something's about to happen because I'm making good eye contact with him. I, I, should, maybe he's going to dig deep. I'm going to get, a, I'm gonna get a, a great landfall gift here, you know, some big pile of bills or something. And he looked at him. Scripture tells us in verse 4, fixing his eyes on him, he said, you look at us. 
So he turns to him. Now I want you to picture it. A lot of people are walking through the gate. So this guy, as he's begging, he's begging alms. Is everybody who goes by, alms, alms, alms for the poor. And Peter stops him and says, look at us. Now that would speak to this man. Oh, here it comes, man. They're finally, these guys, I'm, I'm going to really get something from them. They've been passing me by for a lot of time. And maybe they gave, maybe they didn't, we don't know. But as he passed by, now he has something to give. Now he has something to offer. So the Bible says he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. He's thinking, it's it. This is it. The day I've been waiting for. They're going to pay off my house or give me something really cool. And Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. (coughs) I wonder if he was disappointed when he heard that. Silver and gold I don't have. Sorry, brother, I don't have any money. Thomas Aquinas and Pope Innocent II were gathered together, and the Pope had just counted all the gold in the treasury at the Vatican, and he turned to Thomas Aquinas, and he said to him, You know, never again will the church have to say, Silver and gold have I none. And Thomas Aquinas said, Neither can she say, Arise and walk. What what Peter's saying is money's not going to solve your problem. Sometimes we think that's the solution, right? Sometimes in my prayers I pray, Lord, give me more so that I can pay all the bills. And, And occasionally I pray, Lord, sell that stupid house I got in California for crying out loud. But the Lord says, my ways are higher than your ways, Jackie. And I have no idea why he wants me to still have it. But I still have it. Like a giant lead ball. I used to pray that it would burn. Because I thought the insurance would just pay it off. Yeah, they don't do that. They just build it again and keep billing you. (laughs) But God knows why he has those things in our life. He said, money's not the solution. There's something else. There's something else we want to see. There's something else we want to recognize as God is working, as God is moving. It's not the, it's not the cure. But what's, what Peter says next, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And in verse 7, the scripture says, and he took him by the right hand. That word for he took him by the right hand doesn't mean he just gently laid out his hand. And the lame guy put his hand in Peter's hand. No, Peter snatched him up. Means to be taken by force. He says, silver and gold we don't have, but what I have I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He reaches over and grabs him by the hand and he lifts him. Wow. Some crazy faith, no? The Bible tells us Listen, the Bible tells us that there is something called the gift of faith. It is a gift given that is outshadows any other time. It's like a, a moment the Spirit of God moves in Peter. He knows he's supposed to call this guy out. He knows he's supposed to say, rise up and walk. And he grabs him and he lifts him. His faith totally and completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is working in his life. And God does an amazing thing because his cure was immediate. So if we take the medical terms that that Luke uses to mean that the bones did not ever grow into his foot. His feet aren't attached, probably shriveled up, um, atrophied, the, the muscles atrophied in his lower legs immediately all that's gone immediately the bone is attached immediately he's healed not gradually immediately the broken is made whole just like that the broken is made whole 
Again, Luke uses a technical term which speaks of a, the bones in particular being applied together when he says he received strength. His ankle bones, it, they received strength. They came together. And in verse 8 it says, So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, leaping, walking and leaping and praising God. And listen, for the first time in this guy's life ever, he's actually going to walk into the temple. He's actually going to walk into the place where people, he's only been able to watch before. He'd never been able to experience the, the place of being in the, that holy place in the presence of God. And he can't stop praising, and he can't stop jumping, and he can't stop the things that God is working and moving and doing in his life. He's excited. His life has changed dramatically. Look at verse 9. And all the people saw. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5, Jesus said, Wait here until you have been endowed with power, that you might be my martus, my witness. This man who is healed is being that right now. No tongues. No crazy things going on other than the miracle, which is pretty amazing. Don't get me wrong. He is being a witness just by being who he is. A man made whole by the power of Jesus Christ. He is being a witness just by being who he is in Christ. Sometimes we think that the only way that I can be a witness is if there's some incredible thing going on. And sure, truly, in this life, in this man's life, he's healed. And he walks through and he's running and leaping and he's praising God. His life's dramatically changed. But he doesn't know what he's doing. Does he know what he's doing? The next verse says, and all the people saw him. All the people looked at him and said, that's the guy from the gate beautiful. They just watched his life be transformed, which in itself is a miracle. A miracle that we get to see over and over and over again by people who put their trust in Jesus Christ. He, he sees his life transformed. The scripture says, and the people saw him walking and praising. And they knew that it was he who had begged alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love the pictures in the Greek. They were filled with wonder and amazement. It means literally that their minds were unhinged. Whoa! This is not just them going, Wow, that was amazing. <laughs> <coughs> Scripture says that their minds were unhinged. They are blown away. They don't know what to think. They don't know what to do. They're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I mean, look at him. There he is. What happened? What's going on? Peter's about to preach his second sermon. And again, God brings a rushing wind blowing through the temple, driving out the dust within. What's the purpose of his second message? The broken can come in. Because in Christ, we're whole. All pictured by the healing of this man at the beautiful gate. The people are blown away. In verse 11 it says, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. He would not let go of them guys. This does not mean he just kind of was had his arm around their shoulders and going, Man, you guys are really cool. Dude, he was not going to get away from them and they were not getting away from him. He was latched on. It, it's like a, a picture of what happens when you play with your children and you're wrestling around and all of a sudden, you know, you say, hop up on my back and they jump up on your back and they're, they're on. You could run anywhere, jump. They're hooked up. Double hooks. They're all in. So that's how this guy is holding on to, to Peter and John. They're, he's, he's celebratory. He's... Blown away, he's amazed at what God's doing in his life. 
And all the people ran together to them at the porch, which is called Solomon's. It's really the rubble left over from, the only thing left over from Solomon's temple. Solomon's porch, the colonnades, the columns, and the place where the people would gather outside of the temple, where they would hang out and talk and visit. So there they are in that place, and all the people come. All the people in the temple, they're coming to hear the Word of God. You don't, you don't get to hear that part till next week. We're not going to that part. But here's what I do want you to hold on to. Here's what I do want you to, to grab and, and understand. Look at this man. He was born lame. Just like every one of us. At the fall of Adam, our ability to walk with God was crippled. We are all broken. And none of us can come into the presence of God. None. Nobody. We are lame, broken men and women outside of the beautiful gate looking for entrance into the presence of God. Just like this man, we have no ability to walk. We're poor. Just like this guy begging outside of the gate, we're poor. In fact, Jesus would say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What is it to be poor in spirit? To recognize their state. Was there any doubt in the lame man's mind that he was lame? Is there any doubt in yours that you're lame? Oh, some of us are like, what? I'm not lame. That guy over there is lame. Not me. I'm not lame. I'm pretty cool. How many times do we hear people say, or maybe have we said ourselves, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm broken outside the beautiful gate. Because I'm poor and broken. The church of Laodicea in, in the book of Revelation is the Lord is writing a report card to Laodicea. I'm not going to get too into it. I just want to hear this. He said to them, you guys are messed up. That's a Jackie paraphrase. It's not word for word, but you get the idea. You guys are messed up because you think we have need of nothing. I have everything I need. And the Lord said, and you don't know that you are Poor, broken, miserable, naked. You need to pray, Jesus said to that church, that someone opens your eyes with medicine so you can see where you are. In order for anyone to be saved, they have to recognize their state. I'm broken, I'm poor. I'm outside as sinners. We are all separated from God, right? None of us can enter in. That was the point of no broken thing being able to go. Because God wants us to understand we're broken. And none of us can come into the presence of God except by His divine intervention. Why was the priest able to go? Because before he went, he offered a sacrifice to forgive his sins before he could go and provide a sacrifice for the people. Without God doing something, what is it a picture of? It's His grace. It's the only way to come to God is by His gift of grace that He freely bestows upon us. We are outside the temple. Listen, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 say, But now in Christ, Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace who has made both one or whole and has broken down the middle wall of separation. In Christ, He makes us whole, rich, and able to enter into the Holy of Holies. But just like this man, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are immediately and at once healed. Not gradual salvation, 
immediate. Boom. He is healed. The one thing this guy really needed wasn't more silver or gold. What he really needed was a relationship with the one true God. And he was coming. He had an appointment for him on that day. It was on his schedule. God opened up his schedule. Man, at the beautiful gate. Today is the day. Now is the time. And so he comes and he brings that healing. By the grace of God, he heals us all. There is not one person on earth that will not experience the healing of God. What? Did you hear what he just said? I happen to know somebody that we were praying for healing and the Lord took them. Okay. They're healed now. You think being in the presence of God is somehow some kind of a bummer? It's a downer? Man, it's glorious. For us, admittedly, painful and hard. For them, not so painful, not so hard. They're never going to struggle with sin again. They're perfect before the eyes of a glorious God who loves them. Everyone will experience the healing of God and it will be immediate. When we see Him face to face and before we may for the hand of God who knows how the hand of God will move we call on his name and he has the right to bring it or not we trust him my faith is utterly and completely in him my God is able to do abundantly above all I can ask or imagine we are healed and when we are healed when God has brought that perfect work of salvation into our life what happens our lives change instead of being a lame broken man outside the gate what's he doing he's walking and leaping and praising God you guys all have that song going on in your head when I say that don't you walking and leaping and praising you guys never heard it man Fritz we're going to have to show it to him next time (coughs) they He's walking and he's leaping and he's doing these amazing things. Listen, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 4 through 6 says, Say to those who are fearful, be strong. Do not be afraid. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And the eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. And the lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the dumb will sing. And waters will burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Speaking of the pouring out of the Spirit in the church. It begins then. It's culminated when we see Jesus Christ face to face. There will not be one blind person in heaven. They'll all see. Fanny Crosby, who I think wrote something like 7,000 hymns, who had an amazing woman of God, was blind. And I think somewhere in her, in her life, she was given an opportunity of surgery that might have been able to open her eyes. And she said, no. She said, the next thing I'm going to see is Jesus. The next thing I'm going to see is Jesus. A lame man, he couldn't, he's praising God wherever he went. His life is changed, transformed, just like our lives are changed, transformed by the amazing power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us when he heals us, when he saves us, when he brings us into the family. And we need to see this guy because sometimes we sit back in our salvation comfortable. I'm doing pretty good. Life is good. Refrigerator's full. There's gas in the tank. And we forget about the transforming power of the Holy Spirit that should be evident in our life. We should live our life in radical discipleship. 
radical discipleship because we serve a radical God. And the radical God is moving in our life. He wants to do things in our life. He wants to, to have His way in and through us. Listen, any life lived for Jesus Christ is radical. Do you get I'm not saying you gotta go to to Malawi or that you're gonna have to go to the Philippines or some of the other places that we may travel and minister. I'm just saying if you live your life for God, you are a radical disciple. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not if you are radical crazy in your own mind. I'm saying if you live your life for the Lord, submitted and committed to Him, you are living a life of radical discipleship. Amen. God's calling us to that. If we are saved, we give evidence of our salvation in our life. The last thing that this guy does, the last thing, he stands. There was no doubt in all the people who watched this guy who he was standing with now. Was there? Oh, you're the guy from the Gate Beautiful. Why are you hanging on to Peter and John so hard, man? Why are you gathered together with those 3,000 believers under Solomon's porch? There's another 5,000. So the second church service has 8,000 people at it. Just in case you didn't realize. They're gathered together and under that roof and they're praising God and they're glorifying God and he made a stand. He wasn't top secret. Everybody knew who he was now. He had chosen sides. But the Savior who had walked by him all those times was just waiting for his timing to make him new. Do you believe that God still makes new today? Do you know that God still wants to make us new? I want to invite you just to prepare your hearts. We're going to enter into a time of worship. But as we prepare our hearts, I have a video that I want you to take a look at. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudity, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. Lean on His presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few, my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes down for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Are you a disciple of Jesus? You are free. You are free indeed. That, uh, he don't want to turn me on. That, 
fellowship of the unashamed. Wow. And uh, it was found in the rubble of a burned out village in Rwanda after the armies had come in and slaughtered the Christians. That's what that's based on. And that's the call God has for us. Amen? Amen. Make a joyful noise. Through you the blind will see. Through you the mute will sing. Through you the dead will rise. Through you our hearts will praise. Through you the darkness flees. Through you thy heart screams, I am free. I am free to run. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. I am free. I am free. The kingdom comes to you the battles won to you I'm not afraid through you the prices paid to you there's victory because my heart sings I am free sun sets free is free indeed who the sun sets free 
is free indeed. I am free to run. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. He has set us free. He has healed us. He has healed our broken heart. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we just want to give you glory and praise. Lord, uh, Lord, like, uh, like Peter and John, Lord, that you would just give us boldness in these days, Lord, to proclaim your goodness, Lord, to be a witness for you. Lord, uh, just fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we would go out in your power and your might. Lord, and, and save, a heart, save a world that's, that's broken like we were. Lord, we just thank you. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen.